Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. All right, ladies, I am so excited about this episode because those of you that know me know that I am a huge Friends fan TV show. And so when I heard the idea for this episode, I knew I just had to name it after a friend's reference because today we are talking all about how to pivot in your career and all about how to get more fulfillment out of the job that you have and create the life that you want. And of course, I have an expert and today I am going to be talking with Julie Toby. She is a life coach with an emphasis on fulfillment in career and life. She got a master's degree in counseling and has a mini obsession with personal growth and development. And she's worked with hundreds of people on mindset shifts, career pivots, behavior change, and forming a greater connection with who they truly are. And so I am so excited to get to talk with her today. It's going to be an amazing episode and you're going to love it so much because Everybody wants more fulfillment out of the job that they do. And especially if you're in a place where you think you might be pivoting or making a little bit of a change, then you are definitely going to love this episode and get so much value out of it. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. Hi, Haley. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I am definitely excited. This is definitely a topic that we have not covered before. So I'm super excited for all of our listeners to get to hear your wisdom and your insight and your tips on how to pivot in their career and be more fulfilled in their career. But before we do that, can you tell everybody just a little bit about who you are, where you came from, how you got into this line of work, and just your whole story? Sure. So it was kind of a windy road. I got started in the career world um, just by doing what I thought I was supposed to do. So I went to college, I got a four-year degree, then I got a a full-time job. And even the first job that I found myself in, I don't know that I exactly chose it. So when I was in undergrad, someone said to me, actually it was my dad, let's be honest. He said, you should look into those undergrad research programs they have because research is always a good skill to have. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And I was a sociology major, which I loved. I loved my classes. I loved the discussion. But then what do you do with that when you leave school. So when I graduated, really the only extra skill set that I had was research beyond what you get in kind of regular classroom settings. So I started on an academic research path and took the first research job that was offered to me at the university that I attended, did that for a couple of years, and realized pretty quickly that I needed a little more fulfillment. I like research, but I needed something that felt more than just being at my computer all day. So I went to graduate school for counseling. I also did it in the way that I thought I was supposed to. So I stayed working my full-time job and went to grad school part-time in the evenings. 
because that seemed like the practical thing to do. So that's what I did. And I got my master's in counseling while I continued to work in research and got married. And really, as I think a lot of wedding planners do, I kind of got the wedding planning bug from planning my own wedding. And soon after that, had my first baby. So that's kind of six, six years or so in a really quick nutshell. But what happened when I had my daughter is I really started to think, what am I doing with my time? Because when I'm not with her, I want it to be really meaningful and I want it to be fulfilling. And I had the thought, what if I could be in charge of my schedule a little bit more? What if I could be in charge of my time and how I spent it? And I thought, I'm going to try wedding planning. And so that was my first dive into the entrepreneurial world. And I was a wedding planner. And then about a year and a half in added floral design. And I did that for five wedding seasons. And there were parts of it that I loved. I love weddings. I love love. I love the relationship piece. I love the beauty. I'm organized. So actually being a planner kind of by nature really fit with being a wedding planner. And I loved it. Then I had another baby and what shifted for me there was I found that when I would go to a wedding when I just had my daughter, that I would be leaving my daughter and my husband to have like a daddy-daughter day and that felt great. And then when I had two kids, it shifted for me in my mind and I felt like, well, now I'm leaving my family. It just felt heavier to me. And I know lots of wedding planners have families and it works really well for them. And it just no longer worked for me. So it was at that moment that I took what felt like a bigger pivot than even launching a wedding planning business was the decision to close. And so I closed after five seasons, after my best season ever, and decided to pivot yet again. And so kind of through all this, I had this master's degree in counseling that I used a bit in some part-time work, but I never really found my fit in the counseling world. And then I really have always been drawn to this idea of really having fulfillment in our work and loving how we spend our time. And that really amplified for me, like I said, when I had kids, because it was, if I'm not going to be with them, it needs to really feel worth it for me. And so I kind of started toying with the idea of what would a private practice look like and realized that I didn't really want to be doing mental health counseling, not because there's not a need for it and it's very important work, but it wasn't feeling like a fit for me. It wasn't really the area of focus for me. And that's when I realized I want to help people find fulfilling work and, and be in careers that are really fulfilling to them. And so sometimes for a lot of people, that is a pivot. Sometimes the way I say it is you need to pivot back into the soul of your business. So maybe you've lost touch with kind of why you started to begin with and it's going back to that space. And sometimes it's like, I just need out and I want to pivot into a whole new ball game. And so that's kind of the twisty, kind of curvy way of how I ended up in this coaching role was drawing on my own personal experience my love and appreciation for personal development and spiritual development, and then a master's degree in counseling, which I do draw on heavily in my work. That is an incredible story. And to be honest, 
there were a lot of different little points in it where I felt like I related to you so much because my journey too has had a lot of different little pivots. And at one point I was a wedding planner and felt very much the same way as you that I loved my couples. I loved the love stories. I loved planning the weddings. I was super organized, but it just felt like it was lacking a little bit for me after a couple of years too, for various reasons. And so there were so many different points where I was like, oh my gosh, we we have a similar story in that way. But I mean, it's just amazing to hear the journey of how you got here. Because like you said, it was kind of a windy, weird sort of journey. I mean, you just didn't set out to do what you were doing now. And I love what you said about pivoting back into the soul of your business. Because I was talking with somebody about that the other day and they were like, yeah, I started out doing something totally different. Then I found my thing. Then my thing got really old and boring and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I tried three more things and then I ended up back where I was because I fell in love with it again. And I think sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes, you know, maybe you're not fulfilled in your career and you do need to go find something else, but sometimes it's as simple as you just need to fall in love with what you do again. Yep. And it happened for me a bit, even with, again, I'm not a counselor in this current capacity, but kind of going back to my counseling roots. Because when I was in graduate school, which was kind of a long time ago, one of my professors said to me, and it's a little bit taboo that he said this being in an academic counseling program, but he said, you know, you could consider being a life coach. And I was like, what on earth? Like, that sounds bananas. No one's going to hire me to be a life coach. I was like 25, maybe. And I was just like, no. Like I appreciated his, his insight, but I was like, no, not for me. And then I also had this block about not having a private practice where I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. It sounds like too much work. Sounds like too much responsibility. So I years ago had almost these flashes of opportunity that I had limited myself on. And it took years for me to, in a really unintentional way, kind of circle back to that spot. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy to look back, you know, when you know what you know now, it's always crazy to look back and see like what opportunities you sort of passed up on. And then it's just always interesting to see how it works out. I feel like, yeah, because, and I'm the same way I look back and I'm like, I had no intention of being a wedding planner. I was a criminal justice major in college. And that was after running through nine different majors, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I had no intention, but a lot, a couple different things happened that forced me to do something different. And at the time it was like, oh, I know how to plan a wedding. All my friends are getting married. Let's do this. And then I just fell so in love with wedding planning and realized I was really good at it. And then a couple years in, it was kind of like, okay, I don't know that I really love this anymore. And I kind of figured out that I was good at the wedding planning, but I was better at running a business. And that was the part I was really genuinely passionate about. And so that resulted in other businesses and coaching and speaking and all of these things. And now I love what I do. And so I think it's so important to recognize those, those things that are showing you that you're not necessarily fulfilled in your career, or you do need to be doing something different. Because if I hadn't paid attention to that, I would not be anywhere near where I'm at now. And your story sounds the same way. If you hadn't paid attention to the fact that 
the work you were doing wasn't really fulfilling you and you were looking for something else and you were looking for, you know, something that really lifted you up and made you want to get out of bed in the morning, then you wouldn't be coaching other people on how to do that same thing. And, and a lot of people would be missing out on, you know, that advice and insight and wisdom that you have. So it's just incredible to see how things work out. Yeah. And to make sure that we're listening to ourselves when we get those little thoughts of like, maybe this isn't fulfilling me anymore. And if I'd been honest with myself, I probably would have closed the business a little bit sooner because I had these thoughts like kind of perk up a little bit, but I was like, nope, I said I was going to do this. Nope, this is what I'm doing. And so I kind of kept on that train a little bit longer. Um, and one thing too, that kind of got me on this path, like the entre entrepreneurial path to begin with is I was feeding my daughter one night, middle of the night. And I wrote in my journal, and this is before I launched the wedding planning business. And I wrote, if you're not listening to your own voice, who are you listening to? And that was a shift for me because I realized that all of my career decisions up to that point were made more heavily with the voice of other people whether it was my parents, my professors, society, whatever it might be. So it was listening to that voice that opened the business and it was listening to that same voice within me to close it. So I think throughout our careers, we really need to be mindful of what deep down we're telling ourselves and listen. Yeah. And I love that. If you're not listening to your own voice, who are you listening to? That's so good because I think it's so true. So often we you know, you hear about people whose parents put a lot of pressure on them or their boss puts a lot of pressure on them or, you know, they feel strongly pulled in one direction, even though it's not really the direction they would have chosen for themselves. But sometimes I think we make up that, those pressures too. I have a lot of friends who always thought that their parents wanted them to be something and then later in life realized that their parents just supported whatever they wanted to do to be happy. And they were kind of, you know, making that pressure exist on their own. And I think both are very much a reality, but I think sometimes we really put those pressures on ourselves to do a certain thing or go in a certain direction or, you know, be a certain type of person. And it, that's just a nice reminder. Like if you're not listening to yourself, you really have nothing because in the end, your opinion is the only one that matters when it comes to your life, your career, and whether or not you're happy and fulfilled and nobody can make you happy. It's something you've got to really hone in on yourself and do for yourself. And so I, I love that, that quote. It's a nice, nice little reminder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying too, that a lot of the time the pressure is self-imposed. Definitely. Well, since we're already kind of talking about fulfillment, let's dive into this question first. What are a couple ways that let's say that somebody's in a job and they really do love the job, but maybe they're not necessarily completely fulfilled, but they don't want to pivot. They don't want to do something else, but they're not a hundred percent fulfilled in what they're doing. What are a couple ways that you think they can increase that fulfillment in their career? I think the number one thing, which sounds cliche, but is so powerful is to have gratitude, extreme intense gratitude for the work. And even if there are parts that are not fulfilling, it's finding ways to have gratitude for those two, because they might be things that are teaching you what you don't want to do. And maybe down the line, those are things that you then like outsource something like that.
but having gratitude for the experience of it. Not necessarily, I have gratitude for paperwork, but I have gratitude for what this paperwork is teaching me right now. So I think there is a way to find gratitude for nearly everything. Again, there's tragedy, which of course that's a different, a different ball game. But when it comes to career, we can find gratitude for most anything within it. So I think that's really key. I think another thing, and this is where I've talked about that I think my approach to career work is a bit of a paradox because I so much want people to have fulfillment in their career. And at the exact same time, I want people to detach from their career and not identify with it because I want people to feel fulfilled and whole and like immersed in their beautiful life if their career went away tomorrow. And so part of that fulfillment comes from being fulfilled in areas of your life that have nothing to do with career. That's so interesting. And that was kind of going to be one of my next questions was whether you thought, you know, fulfillment in your career had anything to do with kind of your personal life too. And so it's interesting to me, like, you know, that the advice is, you've got to be fulfilled in other areas as well. Because I do think, you know, there's so many people that say, well, I try to keep my career and my personal life separate or my, my business and my home life separate, but you really, you can do that to a degree, but you really can't fully do that because you're one person living one life and everything involved in that life ties together somehow. And so, you know, it's kind of like the thought that, if you have a really bad day at work and you come home to your family and you're in a really bad mood because you had a bad day at work, it's probably going to put your family in a bad mood or they're at the very least, they're going to try to avoid you because you're in a bad mood. So, you know, you, you can't fully not bring it home every day and you can't fully separate the two. And so I love that advice that you kind of have to make sure that you are being fulfilled in other areas as well that don't have anything to do with your career in order to actually be super happy with your career. Yeah. And it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, like fulfillment at work, which spills into your life or fulfillment in your life, which then impacts how you show up at work. And I think that they definitely can kind of bleed into each other. And I think ultimately fulfillment in areas that have nothing to do with work comes first. And that then impacts your career. And I totally agree this idea. I heard someone say once, you know, there's like talking about work-life balance. And he said, I've only got one life. So what am I trying to balance here? Which of course, we still want to have boundaries. We want to, you know, I advocate having like business hours, you know, not checking your email in your bed, kind of things like that. So we can have separation, but this idea that, yeah, it, they are going to kind of lead into each other and they can do it in really beautiful ways, not in ways that are going to kind of negatively impact our fulfillment, our family, things like that. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think too, if you're working that hard to separate the two, it's probably because one of them is not actually fulfilling you. Yes. Because I, I like what he said that, you know, I only have one life. What am I trying to balance? Because if you're really happy and really fulfilled and really love what you do in your work. And you have that same feeling in your home life, in your personal life, in your hobbies, in all of the other things that you do, you're going to kind of want them to be blended. You're going to want certain aspects of that. And again, like you said, you still keep business hours. You still have boundaries. I'm not saying like your business and your personal life just need to like 
totally mesh together all the way, but, but you're going to want certain parts of that to bleed into each other, like you said, and they can coexist. And so if you're working that hard to separate the two, there's probably an issue with one or the other. Yes. I, you are spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, so now let's talk about pivoting. So what if now say somebody's not fulfilled in their career and it's because they're really genuinely not fulfilled in their career. They don't like the work or they don't like it anymore or, you know, whatever. What's the first step in actually pivoting into a different career? Like I know a lot of people have a lot of fear surrounding that. They're really concerned about, you know, their income or their job stability or even what they would do. And so what's your advice to them about what that first step should be if they're considering pivoting? I think the very first step is to consider why you want to pivot and be mindful if there are things that you're running away from in your current work, because typically those things are going to follow you. So there's a difference between like knowing in your gut, like this work isn't for me anymore. It's time to pivot away from weddings because I don't enjoy them. They don't fulfill me versus I need to pivot because this makes me anxious. Um, I don't like confrontation with clients. I don't like, so kind of the difference is there being a lack of fulfillment because you don't really like it anymore versus running away from something that gives you anxiety. And I mentioned that because typically those are the things that are going to follow you. If you have anxiety with confrontation with your wedding clients, you're likely going to have that same anxiety in any line of work that might have some, a little bit of confrontation, which there, something like that is, is going to happen in most workplaces and maybe con not confrontation, but a situation that feels uncomfortable. So if you're running from discomforts, that might follow you. So I think that's the very first step of why do you want to pivot and what are you pivoting away from that's more than the work? I love that because it's getting right to the root of the problem. And I feel like so often when we're anxious or afraid or, you know, just worried about doing something, we avoid the root of the problem at all costs and we make excuses for what the thing actually is. And so I think that's such great advice because it really just gets to the root of the problem. You know, why do I not like this work anymore? Why is it not fulfilling me? And I love that you mentioned that if it's not just a matter of you really genuinely don't like the work anymore, those things are probably going to follow you because if you're, you know, like you said, if you're anxious about something in your line of work, it's kind of like asking yourself, what line of work are you going to be able to do where that's not going to happen? So, you know, with wedding planning as an example, yeah, maybe you're anxious because you don't like confronting your clients. You don't like telling them, you know, that certain things are not an option or you don't like disappointing them or, you know, whatever. Well, what line of work are you going to do where you don't have to actually confront anybody? You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to risk disappointing anybody. There are some lines of work out there that, you know, you genuinely work by yourself and, and don't actually have to disappoint anybody, but they're few and far between. And it's, it's few and far between that you're not going to have to deal with somebody at some point. And even if you can find those lines of work, are they actually something you want to do? Because if you're trying to pivot so that you'll be fulfilled, pivoting into something else that you know is not going to fulfill you does you literally no good. 
Right. So I, I love that point because it just gets right to the root of the problem and makes you ask yourself why you want to pivot in the first place, because maybe there's an underlying issue there that needs to be dealt with. Right. Are you pivoting or are you running? Yeah, I love that. Ooh, that was good. That was really good. I'm gonna put that on a quote card later. I like that. <laughs> and you mentioned fear. So that's something, you know, that sometimes we get to later, but this like from the beginning, like you can't care what other people think. And I don't mean that in like a jerk way. I mean it in a, like, this is your life. These are decisions you have to make. So we can kind of stick with the wedding theme since you and I have both been in that industry. But when I first made the decision to close, I had fear, not even fear. I just wondered what other people would think in a negative way. Would people think I couldn't hack the long hours? Would people think that I wasn't successful? Would people think that kind of any number of things along those lines of me closing for a negative reason, when I was really closing for the most beautiful reason, and it was to be with my family on a timetable that worked for me. So this idea of letting go of what other people think, especially in your industry, if you're making a pivot within your industry, let them stay in their lane. You can, you can shift lanes. <laughs> you can kind of leave the lane you're in and pivot to a different one. But this idea of not worrying what other people think about you making a decision for your life and your business. Girl, preach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just, I like bottling it up, trying not to scream as you're talking. Cause it's, that's so accurate. It's so completely accurate. And I think anybody who's made that kind of pivot in their life, in their business knows that that fear does come. And, and it is mostly a fear of what other people will think. And I talk about this all the time. I could sit here and talk about it with you all day long, but I won't. But I think especially now, especially in the world we live in, where it's so easy to hop on Instagram and see what everybody else is doing and see how everybody else is doing it. It's so easy to talk ourselves into decisions or talk ourselves out of decisions simply because we are so concerned about other people's opinions. Yes. And I always say, if you're not deciding who you get to be, you'll never step into who you're meant to be. I like and that. I truly honestly believe that. I say it all the time. I say it to my coaching clients. I say it when I speak because I think it's so powerful. If you're not the person making the decisions on who you're going to become, on who you get to be, on the person that you get to be every single day, then you're never going to become the person that you were actually meant to be. You're never going to live into that full potential that you actually have because there's always going to be somebody else's opinion that's distracting you, that's taking you on a detour. And it's going to be this long, crazy road to get to wherever you were supposed to be in the first place. And that's if you ever get there at all. And so you, you hit the nail right on the head for me that, that gets me really fired up when we start talking about other people's opinions. But I, I truly believe like if you, if you don't stop listening to everybody else and you know, if you're, if you're married and you've got a spouse, like, yeah, you kind of have to take their opinion into consideration a little bit. If you're like, I'm going to quit my job because they probably have an opinion about that um, right. and you should maybe consult them. Um, and you know, you, you take in the opinions of your kids too, not that their actual opinion makes the difference, but you do have to think about like how it's going to affect your kids or, you know, things like that. And maybe you have parents or friends or mentors who 
you seek out their opinion because you do want advice. And so I'm not saying that you close everybody off. You don't care what anybody else thinks ever. And you just do whatever comes to your mind first, but you should be very careful about whose opinion you actually give weight to. Right. And it kind of goes back to this. If you're not listening to your own voice, who are you listening to? And it's easier, I think, when it comes to decision-making to listen to what other people say and be like, oh, well, I trust that person or they've done it before, but they are not you. Like it really comes down to like your core. I'm like touching my chest as I talk, like your (laughs) core, like everything inside of you is the one to make that decision. And totally on board with what you're saying, like before I opened and before I closed the wedding planning business, I talked to my husband and not for him to like give me the green light or the red light, but just like, he's my partner. So we talk about those things, but ultimately like I've made business decisions that he's like, ah, I don't really know about that one, but I trust you. And I go against what he would say, because that's what my gut is telling me to do. Yeah. And I think that gut check is so important because, you know, if you, if you're talking to your spouse or your parents or your mentors or those people who they, their opinion does carry some weight in your life and they're saying, no, I don't think you should do this thing. And you're still feeling it deep inside of you to do that thing. And you still feel that pull and you really feel like it's something you could be good at, or it's something that would go really well for your life or something that really would fulfill you or anything like that, then I do think there's a point where you have to, like you said, just kind of say, okay, well, I just need you to trust me because I feel like this is something I have to do. But yeah, if you're doing it just because you saw somebody else do it really well, it's like you said, they're not you. And is that really what you want? Do you really want to follow the exact same footsteps as somebody else, make all of their same decisions, do their exact same things and basically be that person because there's already one of them. So you're probably never going to get to that level of fulfillment that you want because it's their life. You're literally just living their life over again. And you're never going to be the best at that or be the most fulfilled at that or anything because it's their life and they're already doing it and you're just making decisions based on what they're doing. So I think in order to find that fulfillment, in order to truly be happy with what you do and the life that you're living, it has to be your own life. It has to be your own decisions. And you've got to really hone in on that uniqueness that you have and that unique value that you can provide to the world. And yeah, maybe you get influenced by a few people along the way. Maybe you have mentors and I mean, you know, all the time in my business, I'm like trying to figure out how to do something and I literally have no idea where to even start. And so I'll look to mentors, I'll look to people that I look up to, to see how they're doing it just to get inspired for how to start. And I think, I think that's where people really get confused sometimes is because there's a difference between letting what something somebody does inspire you to go in that direction or do that thing or, or whatever. And then you make it your own and just being a copycat. And I I think when you're, when you're just copying what somebody does, you're never going to actually feel fulfilled. You're never going to enjoy what you do. Right. Yeah. It has to work for you. When I had a, a florist say to me once who had kids, 
this is the perfect career for having kids. She's like, because I can be in their classroom during the day. I don't miss drop off or pick up. And so I have that in my head. But then I found that that wasn't true for me because I was missing weekends. When you're a planner, you're at the rehearsal. So for me, it was like my kids in school all day. And then when she's not at school, I'm working. So it totally worked for this person who gave me that advice, but that didn't mean that it was going to work for me. Right. And it's funny you mentioned that because I had a, a similar experience when I was wedding planning where everybody was basically adding florals to their wedding planning services because they were like, oh, it makes you so much more money. And I'm like, I could use more money. That could be a thing that I did. And I debated it for so long, but eventually I mentioned it to my husband and I was like, should we add this like as a service? Should this be something I do? And he goes, babe, I love you so much and I will support whatever you want to do, but you really, really suck at anything with flowers. You kill them. You kill them right off the bat. And, and I thought about it and I was like, oh, he's right. Like he brings home flowers and they die like within a day. I am really good at killing plants. It's a natural gift for me to just kill plants. And I'm like, how am I going to be a florist if I can't even keep a flower alive? Like that's not going to work. Right. And so for me, you know, I found extra money in helping people sort of as a virtual assistant and with the, the more backend side of their business and doing their marketing and things like that. And at the time that wasn't really something a lot of people were doing. You didn't hear a lot about virtual assistants or business managers or anything like that. And so, but so it was a completely different path. It was a very uncharted path at the time, but that was what worked for me because that was the part I actually enjoyed. It was running a business. And so I think if you're not looking at those things that you actually enjoy and that you dislike, and you're not doing that gut check and really listening to yourself, like you said earlier, you're just never going to, you're never going to find fulfillment. Right. And that virtual assistant work that you did supporting the back end of someone else's business aligns so much more with what you're doing right now. Yeah. Than if you added floral design. Yeah. And I mean, that ended up becoming a second business and it grew so much faster than I ever thought it would. And then it transitioned into the digital marketing company I have now. And it's because of that company that I did stop planning weddings because I had those kind of same thoughts as you that I just wasn't necessarily fulfilled anymore. And the thing that was holding me to it was, well, I still have to make money. I still have to have a job. And then that business came along and it took off so fast. And I was like, oh, I actually could stop doing weddings because I'm making enough money with this other business that I have. And that opened so many new doors, so many new opportunities. And so you know, I, I think back to that and I'm like, if I literally did not listen to that one little thing inside of me that was saying, Hey, no, you kill flowers. So you should go do something else. I probably would have attempted to add floral services. It would have been a disaster. I would have gone right back to just focusing on planning and I'd probably still be there today and be burnout and unfulfilled and not enjoying it at all and wouldn't have met the amazing people that I've met, coached the women that I've coached, had the opportunities that I've had. And so I think that one little decision to listen to yourself, it can make all the difference in the world and definitely all the difference in your career. Absolutely. I'm like smiling over here thinking about that, that <laughs> you're making that decision led to everything that you have now in your business. 
Yeah. And I love that. That's exactly what I help people do is to listen, find that voice, listen to that voice, push the fear aside, ignore what other people think, and then do what they need to do to take steps towards what, like creating that new career. And it doesn't have to be working as an entrepreneur. A lot of my clients are, but not all of them. You know, you can decide that you go work for someone else, or maybe you've never been an entrepreneur, whatever it might be, but it's listening to yourself and making that decision. I love that. Definitely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, but I do want to kind of touch on this one last thing really quick. So I asked you about what the first step is when you start to pivot and you said, you've really got to ask yourself why and figure out why it is that you want to pivot. What, and I know this is going to be very different for everybody, but is there just sort of a generalization you can give of what the next steps are? Because I, I don't want to leave our listeners feeling like, well, they told us the first step, but now what? Right. So what are those next steps when, okay, say you've, you've asked yourself why you figured out that you really actually do need to pivot. You're not just running from something. What are the next steps into pivoting in your career? Yeah. So one is to think about what do you want to pivot into, which I know sounds really basic, but sometimes people truly don't know. So I have people do a visioning exercise and to do it in two different ways. So the first one is thinking about their unapologetic dream career. Wouldn't it be great if from a logistical standpoint? And so what I mean by that is, wouldn't it be great if I worked two days a week? Wouldn't it be great if I worked from home? Wouldn't it be great if I worked in a cute office downtown and I was on a small team? Wouldn't it be great if I had an employer so I wasn't paying my own health insurance? Kind of whatever those ideas are in your head from a logistical standpoint for your career, put those down on paper and envision what they are. Then do a very similar exercise, but thinking about the actual content of the work and think, wouldn't it be great if I was able to be creative? Wouldn't it be great if I could create content for such and such people? Wouldn't it be great if I went back to school to get the skills that I needed to do this line of work that I've really always wanted to do? And so it's really starting to do this visioning process of what your career would look like if you could create it tomorrow. So that's kind of a really quick overview for that. And then the next step is to really test the waters. And that can look different depending on the industry, depending on whether you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, but sometimes that's finding a mentor. Sometimes it's almost like volunteering your services. So when I first thought about getting into floral design, I contacted a local designer and was like, can you just like give me stuff to do for free? Like I was not asking for freelance work. And I tested the waters. I helped with setup for weddings. I schlepped buckets of water. Like I did kind of whatever needed to happen uh, so that I could even get a sense of, is this even something I wanted to do? The other piece of kind of testing the waters is I like to say like, occupy the role before you actually have it. So using myself as an example, I had these thoughts of like, what actually makes me a coach? Like when I decided I wanted to pivot in, in this way. And I had some speaking opportunities coming up and writing opportunities based on, you know, kind of prior entrepreneurial work. And I decided that I was a coach and that this is what I was doing. And so I kind of started to occupy the role before I actually had it. And I presented myself professionally as a coach. 
and it wasn't falsely. I had the kind of the background and the business experience and the counseling degree. And so I had all of these things and the one-on-one -on -one work that I had done where I could legitimately call myself that, but I called myself that before I had one client. And so this idea of like test the waters and occupy the role before you have it can give you confidence and it can also help you see if it's really what you want to pivot into before you invest a lot of dollars or time or energy. That's all such great advice. I love that it was very like step by step and it was obviously very logical and, and the fact that you just gave them something to kind of sit down and focus on and envision too, because I, I love like visionary type exercises. I love anything where you're asking me to just like close my eyes and think about something because I feel like usually it's in those exercises. It's in those moments that you really figure out what it is that you want or what your next step needs to be. So I love that you just gave our listeners like an exercise to do themselves so that they can figure that out. Yeah. And that can work for people, even if they don't want to pivot, how we talked about kind of getting back to the soul of your business. And if you're not a business owner, just getting back to the soul of your work, because you may have strayed and you can still say about your current business with no intention to pivot. Wouldn't it be great if, and it might be something as simple as I only work till 10 AM on Fridays. And so then maybe you think about, well, what would have to happen for me to have Friday afternoon off? And so then you can start to kind of remold your current work in a way that fulfills you even more. That's such a good point and so true. And uh, I love this. I love this because I feel like this whole conversation can apply literally to everybody listening because we talked about being fulfilled. We talked about if you're pivoting and then you just even threw it at the people who are not necessarily pivoting, but just trying to figure out how to achieve their next goal. So I love it. I feel like this truly applied to everybody listening. And, and those are usually the type of episodes that I aim for because I want everybody to feel like they could get value out of these conversations. And I think this definitely provided so much value. So Julie, I so appreciate your time and your insight and your wisdom on this because I think it's definitely a tricky topic to discuss and to manage. And a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily want to talk about career fulfillment because they don't want to admit that they don't have it. So I'm so glad that I got to chat with you and, and have us just talk about all of these things. And I hope that there's somebody listening who really feels like this conversation was just meant for them. Me too. And I've loved talking to you. I think we could both talk about this stuff for days. <laughs> Probably, probably. I'm sitting here like thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to not ask her this and not ask her this because we have to end this episode <laughs> at some point, but I definitely could sit here and talk with you all day long. You're just, you're, and you're just a great personality too. You're a very fun person to talk oh, to. So. Thanks. You too. Yeah. Well, since it's the end of the episode, I do have a fun little lightning round that I want to end with. And it's just some lighthearted little questions that I'm genuinely curious about. Okay. Let's do it. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh gosh, I go downstairs and I put hot water on the stove to make my pour over coffee. There you go. Yep. <laughs> we get so many coffee drinkers. I think coffee is like the go-to first thing in the morning. <laughs> it's amazing. What is the last book that you read? 
Oh, what did I read? Um, oh, it's I Miss You When I Blink. Mm, what is that? It is by, I'm not remembering her name right now. I'm so sorry. I just read it. It was on the on hold forever at the library, but it's different personal essays by one author. So it's kind of memoir style essays. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I'll have to look that up. What is one thing that you recommend to everybody? So this can be like a service that you use. It can be a product or an item, whatever you want. But what do you feel like everybody just has to have one of these? Oh gosh. Cause the first thing I thought wasn't a service or an item. It was everybody needs to go for walks by themselves. <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's a good Without one. Your, yeah. Your just go. For that's a really good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. Everybody needs some, some downtime. We were even talking about that before we hit record and, and did this interview about talking about, you know, when the internet goes out and having downtime. And so I feel everybody right. needs that. I'm super guilty of not being able to accomplish that at all, but I'm working on it, but yeah, I think everybody needs, needs a nice walk and some fresh air and some time to themselves. So that's a really good recommendation. All right. Last question. What is either your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? My favorite quote was from a yoga instructor and she said, she said it to the whole class and it sticks with me. This was probably over 10 years ago. And she said, don't let anyone or anything steal your peace. Mm. And I loved that because we can apply it to pretty much anything. And it's empowering that our peace, like it can live inside of us and don't let anyone take it away from you. I love that. And it's so interesting to me when people come on here and I ask them their favorite quote, because most of the time their favorite quote kind of ties into the conversation we just had and the line of work that they do. And so I think it's interesting that your favorite quote is about not letting anybody steal your peace. And we just had an entire conversation about fulfillment and not listening to other people's opinions and all of those things. So I, I always love to see how the quote and the line of work correlate with our guests. And so I, I love that. I think that's so super accurate. It goes right along with everything we were just talking about. And it's such a, a great way to end the show. Such a great quote. Yeah. I, it really sticks with me. I love it. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. So what's your website? Where are you on social? All the things. Yeah. So my website is jelizacreative.com. And that's the best kind of place to see the bulk of my work. And then I'm also on Instagram at jelizacreative. Awesome. And we will link your website in the show notes as well. So to our listeners, if you guys are thinking about pivoting or you just want to get more fulfillment in your career and you really want to look at hiring a coach for that, Julie is the best person for the job. So go check out our show notes and reach out to her and chat with her about what she can do to work with you. But Julie, thank you so much. Again, like I said, I really do think this conversation is so important and I think it's going to be so valuable to our listeners. And I just really, truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to just share this wisdom and this insight and all of your advice on how people really can be more fulfilled and, and really enjoy their job and their life even more. You are so welcome. And I'm glad that you pivoted at some point. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking to each other. Well, ladies, that's it for this time, but don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. 
I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.